I love meeting people whose faith in God is the real deal. It's not that they're holier than thou or even in your face about their beliefs. It's just that they have a relationship with God that seems to be as real as the one you have with your best friend. You're about to meet such a person, and her life today is nothing like it was prior to coming to know her heavenly best friend. Meet Katrina. I would say about high school, I walked away from the Lord. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I partied all the time in Hollywood. I knew the streets real well. And then I came back to the Lord at 19. He grabbed a hold of my heart, and I had no idea what he had in store for me. <laughs> this is the Another Chance podcast. Real people, incredible stories, authentic hope. I'm Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me. You're about to meet a most intriguing person. Her name is Katrina. She's 29. And my wife and I met her at a Bible study we were leading back when she was 21 and in college. I believe her story is going to bring you encouragement, inspiration, and the sense that God has a special plan for you. Again, this is about eight years ago, and the church we were associated with was going to conduct a first-time Christmas outreach and gift giveaway exclusively for the poorer people in town. Young Katrina boldly stepped forward and took on organizing this big one-day event. New cotton hoodies, Vans shoes, toys, and a food box, all donated by local businesses, were to be distributed to the guests, which would then individually collect their gifts in plastic trash bags. For the clothing and toys, the rule was a total of three only. One hoodie, one pair of shoes and a toy, or two hoodies and a toy, or three pairs of shoes, whatever. Those were the rules. Otherwise, we'd soon run out of gifts. My job was to meet people at the door, quickly assess their spiritual needs, and if they were willing, offer them a chance to have someone pray for those needs, be it health, finances, relationships, or whatever. It all sounded so wonderful, so heavenly, until we quickly realized that there were some guests who began ripping us off, stuffing their trash bags with more than three items. I mean, way more. And that's when otherwise petite Katrina stood on a table and launched into action. She immediately froze the event. All of the attendees were quickly escorted out of the building to some awaiting snacks. In no time flat, Katrina had a brand new game plan. I'm watching all of this, and at the same time I'm thinking, this kid is amazing. So I was 21. I remember I was studying for finals and, and we were doing our first ever Christmas giveaway. And so we were giving away 300 food boxes, thousands of toys, and we had never done it before. And so we had come up with a game plan and midway through our game plan, we realized that people were stealing gifts. And so I basically was like, stop, close the doors. We're going to come up with a solution to the problem. So we paused the event. We put everyone outside. We gave um, the attendees hot chocolate and cookies. I'm pretty sure I stood on a table in the center of the auditorium <laughs> to get everyone's attention. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. But we came up with a solution and we made it work. So it was amazing. I only knew Katrina from the Bible study in our house. But what I saw on that day was a young woman who was bold, confident, truly a leader, and at the same time had a great sense of godly compassion. 
So Katrina, where did you get this ability to take charge, but not in an obnoxious sort of way? So I hope this isn't a churchy answer, but I truly believe that it was of the Lord because I knew myself before the Lord. I was very scared. I was very insecure. I was not one to lead the charge. I don't necessarily remember myself as a leader in high school. I think if anything, I was more of a follower. And as I developed my relationship with the Lord, I just became more and more confident. And so whether it was in school or field trips or nonprofit events, um, I just felt the desire to want to lead the charge. And so I, I really do believe that it was of him. I do believe that he gives gifts, and I think we have different gifts, but I think that was one of them. You just mentioned that time before you knew the Lord. Talk to us about that time. I did grow up in a Christian household. My parents were divorced. I was raised by a single mom. Um, I went back and forth on the weekends. It was not necessarily a you know, dream come true, home living situation. Um, I'm an only child. I did not have brothers and sisters, but my mom did plug me into church. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. So I would say about high school, things started to change. I got involved with the wrong crowd, started making friends with people that I shouldn't have. And so I would say for the last two years of high school from 16 to 19, um, I walked away from the Lord. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I partied all the time in Hollywood. I knew the streets real well. And then I came back to the Lord at 19. He grabbed a hold of my heart, and I had no idea what he had in store for me. <laughs> so what but, was that What was that moment? What drew you back? Here you are living in Hollywood, an attractive young woman. Uh, just the party scene was right there for you. You were a part of it, enjoying the heck out of it, I'm sure, in your own worldly way. But right. what was that moment of illumination? Yeah, um, I think it was a series of events. Looking back, I was having a really good time. I had everything that the world could offer you. I drove a BMW. I had friends in the entertainment industry. Like I said, I was going out all the time, but I was really lonely inside. And I remember drinking because I was lonely. And so um, I remember being about 18, 19, and then I got sick. I was diagnosed with a kidney disease. Um, I was very, very young, and I was afraid. I definitely remember being afraid of death. Boy, it was tough. I was always in prayer. She would come home late, and I could smell you know, pot and all that off of her. It was tough. I was by myself. This is Katrina's mom, Bella. It was tough. I was by myself. She got kind of mixed up with some kids. And, you know, they were nice kids, but they, you know, were getting high and drinking. And she kind of went away for a while. And I would just be praying and hoping that she'd get back to it, even though she was far away. And I was worried every night. But I just, I just never gave up. God is big. I mean, he's powerful. He can do anything. He can take any situation and turn it around. And then uh, God got a hold of her and brought her back. And boy, did she take off <laughs> from there. I hit the floor. Like I said, I was high on drugs. And I was so miserable. And I just knew that nothing in this world can satisfy because if it was, I, I had it, I could have had it. 
And I knew that I needed the Lord. And when I truly asked to be forgiven of my sins and to receive the Holy Spirit, something changed truly from the inside out. My desires began to change. My love and my passions began to shift and alter. So it went from selfishness and worldly desires to falling in love with the Lord. Um, And if you were to ask me, how or why I am the way that I am. It's because I truly, truly take seriously the Bible. I read it every morning and I ask the Lord, I go, Lord, help me fall in love with you. Pursue me romantically. I want to know you intimately. And those that's probably very odd, but it's through that and in the last 10 years that I feel very close to the Lord. I hear from him on a daily basis. He's no different. I'm probably closer to him than I am my own biological parents, honestly, or a roommate that I have because we have such an intimate relationship now. And so I would say it's truly through the word of God, prayer and worship. So Katrina receives her college degree from the University of California, Santa Cruz, and heads back home to Southern California, where she ends up finding herself working as a personal assistant to one of the top reality TV show stars in Hollywood. But Katrina, it really does beg the question, how do you go from graduating college at the University of California, Santa Cruz, where you're also helping out with the local church, and that's where we met, to moving to Southern California and getting a job with one of the top Hollywood TV reality show stars, who will, by the way, go unnamed for the sake of this podcast. How does that happen? I was given an opportunity to work in the entertainment industry in Beverly Hills, and I prayed about it, and I accepted it, and I took it, and I said, Lord, this is completely opposite of anything I've ever done. I am living in the heart of it. But help me be obedient, help me to be faithful, help me to honor you. And so I was working on a reality TV show. It was number two in the world at the time under the Kardashians. Kardashians was the number one reality TV show at the time. Um, They fell second. And I was basically a day-to-day manager. I was a personal assistant and a state manager. You know, it's funny. I really believe that the Lord used me even in that industry because you need hardworking individuals that love the Lord. And so I watched, you know, artists that I worked with, pray. I prayed in the car, I'd be driving them somewhere. And, you know, somehow an opportunity to pray with them would occur. I watched their children that I helped take care of, except Jesus. I remember we were playing basketball and, you know, I was doing my thing. I'd been talking about Jesus in my time with them. And on my last day before I left, I said, Lord, I do not want this to be in vain. Their, their oldest son asked to accept Jesus into his heart, and he was 12 years old. Mm. So I just, I mean, I watched the Lord use me. I think the Lord is willing to use anyone in any industry as long as their heart is, is seeking him and devoted to him. The other part of this is you could have continued in that Hollywood scene, I'm sure, and probably found a ton of success. But it seems like you were really more focused on sharing your faith. So here's my next question. Other than your mom, who, by the way, loves your transformation, how have others in your family responded? My family made fun of me when I became a believer. They thought I was weird. They thought I was too much. They told me I was crazy. I've watched them over the last decade of me following the Lord um, just kind of open up to me with things, ask my opinion. They now ask my advice. They know that if they're going through a hard time, I'm going to 
I'm going to call Katrina and ask her prayer. So I know that they know that something has changed. And so they may not even know exactly what it is, but I know that something deep down after all these years, they've seen some sort of difference. And my guess is there was a lot of pressure in your family to achieve worldly success. Was there some disappointment early on that you weren't on a career track to be rich and famous? Yeah, that's actually something that I've always struggled with because I come from a very successful family. My uncles, all my cousins are lawyers. I have a four-year degree in legal study and politics, but I chose not to pursue law school. And it was because I really believed that God had told me no. And when, when God tells you ministry, you almost want to laugh because, as we all know, um, there's not a lot of money in ministry. Um, it's a lot of nonprofits. It's a lot of lower income. Um, so that was something that I really struggled with. I know that they struggled with. They just did not understand the calling. But I truly believe that I would rather be sold out and doing what God has me than to be pursuing any worldly pleasure that'll leave you broken and unsatisfied because I've had it all. And it leaves you so uncontent that nothing's worth it. It's just not worth it. Meantime, Katrina felt as if the Lord was calling her to move to Nashville, Tennessee, a city she'd never even visited. I didn't know where Nashville came from because we are a city. I'm from New York and she's from here. I don't know where she came up with Nashville, but she felt the calling to, to Nashville. Like, Nashville, what's there? I mean, we're, you know, we're, I don't know. I just didn't know what to make of it and I didn't think anything of it. Like, oh, okay. But she had it in her heart. She goes, I feel like God's calling me to Nashville. And she went, and my goodness, you would not believe what's going on over there. The girls got baptized, are getting baptized. They're turning around. She's about, like, I don't know, 15 to 30 girls that she disciples there. And they were just unbelievable. So here you go, Katrina. You pick up and move to Nashville, Tennessee get a job with a very nice high-end wedding planner and probably experience a touch of relocation culture shock because in LA and the San Francisco Bay Area, which includes Santa Cruz, where I met you, when you claim to be a Christian, you're immediately judged in a negative light. But in Tennessee, it's the Bible Belt, and I'm guessing everyone says they're a Christian. So that's been really, really interesting. So from Southern California, Northern California, I wore a target on my back for being a Christian because it wasn't cool and it wasn't accepted. So I felt more persecuted in a way. Then I came to Nashville and I had no idea. And so when I was exposed to it, when I first got here, I just remember everyone like, oh, I'm Christian, I'm Christian. I got really, really excited. I was like, oh, me too. Let's go to church together. And then we would go to church together and then we would go to lunch afterwards and they would get wasted and they would go home to living with their boyfriends. And I was like, wow. It was truly unbelievable. I had never seen anything like it because they, Due to like history and culture and growing up in the South and in the Bible Belt, they knew no better. I mean, they went to church and then they went about their daily lives. They didn't know what it was to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And so it took about a year. I I was strategic in what I did. I wanted to build relationships. And then I started a ministry called Gals Group. And so I would invite women that I met out at the bars um, to my house. And okay, we stop. Eat. We have to. You these are, 
These are women. <laughs> These are women you met at the bars, but I know you. You you don't you don't do that kind of stuff. What what is happening here? Yes, because somebody casually listening to this is going to say, what? She, she, these are women she meets at the bars, but you were doing this purposefully and strategically. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Here we go, Brian. Wait, do I go back and answer? No, just pick it up from there. Why did, so tell us, you would go to the bars. Why would you go to the... <laughs> I mean, I know why, but your average listener is thinking, what, what is she... What is she talking about? Why are they laughing? Okay, pick it up from there. <laughs> okay. okay, so after being in Nashville about a year, I really, felt, I really felt like the Lord was like, it was go time. I had not partaken in any ministry. I was really just trying to get settled. I had moved to a new state. I knew absolutely nobody. And I, I, I really do feel like I'm meant for ministry. And so with that, I made some friends, and they were going out. So Nashville is a very social town. Um, everyone gets off at four or five and because of the music industry, a lot of people go out after work. And so a drink after work with your boss is, is not, is not odd. It's very different from California in that, that it's a small town. And so, um, it's very relational. And so in my time in going out, whether it was through work or through social events or, or, um, just personal, I met a lot of women out at the bars and I saw the same thing. I saw women that did not understand their worth and their value, and they were making poor decisions. And so that led to this desire to start a ministry called Gals Group. And so what I would do is um, I would start relationships relationship strategically, and then I would invite them over to my house. And I would do snacks and apps, and then I would teach them the Bible. And so I, I really call it a discipleship program almost where we're taking women, we're meeting them where they're at, and then we're teaching them the word of God and what it looks like to live it out because they knew church, they knew the bars, they knew what it was to be a Christian and that Jesus died on you know, Friday and we celebrate Easter, but they had no idea what it was to be obedient. They had no idea what a personal relationship felt like, tasted like, looked like. And so over the last two years that I've been doing my ministry, we've had over 200 girls We've had over 30 to 40 salvations, baptisms, um, girls not only getting saved, but their whole lives changing. Um, they've, you know, they've committed to purity. They've committed, they've committed to no longer getting drunk. They've gone on mission trips. I've watched women transform before my very eyes. Sometimes we'll be at dinner and I'll hear the conversation and I cry. I'm like, this was a girl a year and a half ago that was telling me all the men that she had slept with. And now she's telling me that she wants to pursue purity and wait till marriage. And I'm like, holy moly, Lord, what have you done? Wow. So this begs the question, how do you get the girls from the bar to the Bible study? I think some of the girls I had built relationships with, I remember one girl saying, you know, you're, you're fun. You're, you know, you like to go out and, but you're different. You know, you don't get wasted. You don't go home with men. So there's something interesting about you and I want to be your friend and I want to know more. And then there were girls that you know, I had invited to church and they laughed in my face. I remember being like, would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? And she said, yeah, right. You know, you'll never catch me in church. And so what I did was with her specifically, I said, why don't you come over? Let's hang out. Let's go to dinner. I was very strategic and wanting to just be her friend, just to love her for where she was at. After six months, she started attending gals group. 
And after nine months, she started attending church with me. And I'll never forget, Brian, I looked over after a year of being her friend and she was sitting and taking notes during church. And this was the girl that laughed in my face and said, I'll never go to church with you. What Katrina is doing could be best described as friendship evangelism. Gee, what a concept. But I had to ask her this question. If a girl has a choice on a particular night to go to the bar or go to her house for some kind of a Bible study, I mean, how does she present that? How does she offer that as an option to the woman in question? So Katrina, with these girls, you're doing snacks and apps, appetizers, snacks and appetizers. But that includes wine. Could you talk to us about that? Yes. So again, I think it goes back to moderation and being rooted in Christ. I am 29 years old. I will have a glass of wine. I'm very intentional. I made sure girls knew that we wouldn't be having more than one or two. I would never allow um, anything to get out of hand because we are there to study the word of God. But I really do believe Brian. And I, I, I have had conversations with pastors. I've had people to call me in. I've had people sit me down and say, how could you have a Bible study with wine? And I've stuck to it and I will stick to it. It was because of wine and apps that girls from the bar that would have never walked into a church walked into my house. And so I think when you create a safe environment and you're rooted in Christ and you're, and you're praying and and you want God's will, he blesses that. And so I feel like our house, that, that Bible study was a safe haven. It was almost this middle ground between the bars and church. And so once they came, they learned, they experienced, they wanted more because, I mean, my heart's desire was to do nothing but preach the word of God. Um, I just got out of a relationship. And I had texted her and I said, hey, are you still doing that Bible study? Turns out it was actually the night of. This is Caitlin describing her very first gals group experience. I was kind of nervous when I showed up. I didn't really know what to expect, but I think, you know, it was about 15 girls at that time. Um, it was probably their third week of doing it. Yeah, I you know, I suffered with severe anxiety. Um, you know, if I thought someone was mad at me over something that I did or how I acted, um, it would skew how I felt for weeks or months at a time. After I went that one Wednesday, you know, I didn't, I didn't miss one cent. It almost brings me to tears to think of. You know, like I said, I never walked without him. I just know that I lived my life in a way that wasn't always putting him first. And now to look back and like just the things, he never let go of me. You know what I mean? Like I can just look back at specific times where he would speak to me even when I wasn't ready to listen. And people, like he never gave up on me. Wow. I am such a sucker for stories like that of Caitlin's because there's a God in heaven who created the universe who will never give up on you. That's why I call this podcast Another Chance. 
Here's another member of Katrina's gals group. Her name is Kelsey. Like, I didn't know what a, what a relationship with the Lord looked like. And then I go to this group and then I'm around like-minded people. And then I want to do, and then I, the things that we're reading, I'm like, I want to do that with my life. Like, and then just being around them and growing and sharpening each other, like, it transformed so many of us. It's insane. Like, I don't even know who I was before this. And same with, like, other girls. Yeah, and Kelsey, tell us about some of these other girls because I've heard that many have even been baptized. I like I counted on like hand, there's like there's seven I think people like I I counted names on like of who she's watched since starting Gals Group, um, like get baptized and it's just like that transformation is because of this group that she started. Katrina, in your opinion, what are the big issues facing young women today? Yeah, I do think that we struggle. I think my generation has lost respect for authority. It has lost respect for themselves. I am truly passionate about women knowing their worth and their value in Christ. And so I think of Proverbs 31, and it, the, the Bible says that we're worth far more than rubies. And I think that if we actually believed that, we would conduct ourselves differently. And so I have spent the last maybe eight years wanting to surround myself with women, get to know them, love them for where they're at, but show them Jesus. Because it wasn't until I knew my worth and value in Christ that I conducted myself differently. So I don't think that they even know what healthy looks like, right? Via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the news, our family relationships, nothing's healthy anymore. The only thing that I know that's stable, substantial, and healthy is the Word of God. You know, the picture that you're painting of your generation isn't necessarily flattering, but certainly all generations have had their inherent flaws. Katrina, I guess my question is, do you see rays of hope for the millennial generation? I do believe there's a revival happening. I have seen a change, I, at least in Nashville, and we are in the Bible Belt. I think that people are known for being Christians, but they don't actually live it out. And in the last year, I've been here three years, in the last year, I have seen a revival with the churches and um, my generation actually hungry and thirsty for something that's real, something that's more than just going out and getting wasted after, you know, after church on Sunday. Here they call it Sunday fun day. So everyone goes to church in Nashville and then they go get drunk afterwards and they have a name for it. It's called Sunday fun day. And so I think people are tired of it. I really do. I think they crave something real and authentic. Real and authentic. That's what we're all looking for. We want to see that one believer who is real and authentic in the way they live out their faith. But of course, we can't confuse being real and authentic with being perfect because none of us are perfect. But we can surrender ourselves to the one who is perfect. As the New Testament book of Hebrews says regarding the Messiah Jesus, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Katrina, I heard that you were recently at the helm of a big event for women in Nashville. It was called the Worth Conference, and it just seemed to have been divinely dropped into your lap. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a really, really great story. So I was in Nashville. I had gals group. We were thriving. 
um, we had over 200 girls and, you know, 60, 60 a night. And I actually went in for a interview just to keep my options open. I am a, I'm a wedding planner in town and a girlfriend that was in the Bible study worked at 94 FM, the fish, which is a Christian radio station around the world. And she said, we have a job opening. Why don't you just come check it out? Meet the CEO, meet the boss. I feel like he'd love you. And I said, yeah, why not? So I walk into this interview I had this great hour and a half interview with the CEO, the president, and I think I've got it, Brian. I think I've nailed the interview. I'm thinking he's going to offer me the job. And he goes, I'm so sorry, but I cannot offer you the job. And my mouth drops open. I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. You know, did something happen? Did I do something wrong? He goes, absolutely not. I have the Holy Spirit. And he says, you are not meant to sit behind a desk and do invoices nine to five. He goes, I would be doing you a, a, a misjustice, a miss, an injustice, an injustice. <laughs> you. We'll have to edit that. Um, And injustice, um, the CEO goes, I'll, I would be doing you an injustice to give you a desk job. And so he goes, I'm so sorry, I can't offer you the job. So I leave, I'm sad, I'm crying. I'm like, okay, Lord, that's not what I expected. Five days later, this man calls me back and he calls me into his office and he says, I haven't been able to stop thinking about you since I've met you. I've had this idea. I believe that I'm supposed to help put on a Worth Conference 2019 and... He says, I think you're the woman for the job. I'm offering you Worth Conference 2019. I was in such shock. I said, what do you mean? I, I think you've mistaken me for somebody else. I was like, I, I can't put on a conference. I can't speak. No one will, will pay and buy tickets to hear me. Um, and he's like, no, I really believe that, you know, Worth Conference 2019 is for you. And so through a series of events and connections I'd made, we basically pulled Pam Tebow. We pulled Sherry Rose Shepard, who's a New York bestselling author. We got a public figure on Instagram, and we turned Worth Conference 2019 into a hit here in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> so how did you, okay, so you get Tim Tebow's mother. Yes. That's just, obviously, she's well-known. You get the best-selling author. You get a, a social media celebrity. Yes. And what was the response? How did how did the was it for women only? I'm guessing, right? Yes. Yeah, so it was it was for women only. And here's the thing: we we really didn't have a budget because this was our first year. We didn't know what we were doing. Again, this Bible study started in my living room, and now we were being given a conference. So it took a lot of volunteers. It took a lot of the Bible study girls helping me. I basically just had to pitch. You know, I remember I remember pitching Jordan Lee Dooley and saying, "I can't offer you anything, but here's my story. Just listen to my story." And I explained the story of how you know I met the girls out at the bar. We've transferred to a living room. Now we're being given this opportunity, and everyone just fell in love with the heart behind it. And they and they jumped right in. They flew across the United. United States to, to Nashville, Tennessee to be a part of Worth Conference 2019. And this is typical Katrina. She's totally open to doing whatever God has for her. The question is, what does God have for you? Seriously, how do you know whether or not he has a better plan for you? Activating that plan begins with just a simple conversation with the God of all creation who came to earth in the form of a man to die for your sins, past, present, and future. And in that conversation, you essentially just say, Lord, I'm yours. Let's roll. 
even when I don't feel like it, Brian, even when I'm busy and, and it's not on the top priority list for me, I read the word of God. I pray. I plug myself into a church. I try to surround myself with like-minded people, but forget all of that. The one thing I do is I get alone with the Lord and I plead my heart out before him. So whether that's in the shower, whether that's driving, whether that's while you're doing laundry, maybe that's on your drive to work. If you are a parent and you have just a few minutes alone without the kids, talk to the Lord, tell him that you need him, ask him to intervene in your life and truly surrender your heart, your mind and your body to him. And I promise you, I promise you, he will show up and he will work and he will redeem any situation that you are facing, hands down. Katrina, she received another chance from the God whose fountain is filled with another chance for everyone. She took it and she isn't looking back. And by the way, God has another chance waiting for you. Thanks for listening to the Another Chance podcast. For more information on this episode, please visit my website, briansussman.com. And while you're there, you can also email me with your comments and follow me via Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman, and Instagram, Brian Sussman Show. I look forward to your feedback and please share this podcast with a friend or family member. And by the way, stick around. There might be a bonus track for my interview with Katrina just around the corner. In the meantime, I'm Brian Sussman. God bless you, and thanks for listening to the Another Chance Podcast. So it goes back to about 10, 11 years ago. I was 18 years old, and I'll never forget it. Um, I, I'd been in the car with some friends, you know, weeks before, and we had rolled through a stop sign. And it was kind of like funny. We all laughed. We kind of said this thing like, no cop, no stop, which is so stupid now that I think about it at 29 years old. Um, and so we kind of like rolled through the stop sign and didn't think anything of it. I had always personally stopped at stop signs. You know, I've always been taught you do the right thing, even when no one is looking. And so I'm on my way home. I'm in college and I was in a rush. I don't remember why I was in a rush. I was in a rush to get home. And I happened to roll through a stop sign for the first time in my entire life, it felt like. And sure enough, I got pulled over. And I'll never forget the way that I felt as he had written me my ticket and he was walking away. And I looked at him. I kind of watched him get in his car through my mirror, my rear mirror. And I just said, God, I don't understand. I will do the right thing nine out of ten times. And the one time I don't stop you're going to give me a ticket I was just kind of being a brat and I was upset and I heard the Lord say Katrina I have called you to do the right thing 10 out of 10 times your life is going to look very different and I was young Brian I was young I didn't understand what that meant I kind of just like put it in my back pocket and I honestly have not thought about it since and so fast forward to a couple weeks ago um, now mind you I've been walking with the Lord I've been growing. I, I'm very big on excellence and leadership, character and integrity. And it was a Friday night and my girlfriend and I were going to go to a workout class and there was no parking. And she goes, let's just park in this restaurant parking lot. 
And I remember hearing the Lord say, don't do it. That's a form of cheating. You're not going to the restaurant. And she goes, I do it all the time. Never gotten a ticket. And I was like, you know what? She does it. I'm going to do it. I was like, just one time more. There's a lot of traffic downtown. There's nowhere to park. I was like, I'm going to do it. So we go. We both park side by side. Okay. There's 20 cars in the lot and we park side by side. We go to this workout class. We're gone maybe an hour, hour and a half max. And I walk back to my car. And I have a ticket, and she does not. <laughs> and they put a sticker on my windshield, and so it stuck to my windshield. <laughs> and I'll just never forget, I just, she wasn't with me. She decided to stay longer downtown. And I go, Lord, how on earth, how on earth did I get a ticket and she didn't? Her car's right next door to me. And I kind of just had this moment of like, she said, don't compromise. I've called you to more. Your standard is different than everybody else's. Don't compare yourself to the woman next to you. And I was just like, wow. So I drive home. It was a Friday night. A couple days later, I go to Costco. <laughs> and I've spent years teaching my girls that, like I said, character is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Let's put our shopping carts away. I think ordinary people leave their shopping carts in parking lots. I said, but extraordinary women that do the right thing, they put them away, rain or shine. And so I'm big on that. I've taught that. I've always done that. Well, I had this moment at Costco. I was tired. I had been lugging boxes into my car. I had unloaded. It started raining. It was pouring. And there was a shopping cart right next to mine. I had parked, and there was an empty lot, and someone had left their shopping cart right next to mine. And I said, Lord, I don't want to walk in the rain. I'm leaving my cart right here. And I heard the Lord say, no, you've been teaching on this. You put your cart away. And I said, I don't want to do it, Lord. And I jumped in my car and I left. And I almost left in a rush because I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I just wanted to leave the scene, which is hilarious. So I get home. I unload all my groceries from Costco. Hour later, I'm sitting down and I get a phone call from a number I don't know. And he goes, hi, is this Katrina Pendergast? And I go, yes, who's this? He goes, this is Costco. We found your entire wallet. I said, What? They go, I go, you, you made a mistake. I, you know, I have my wallet. I never forget things. He goes, no, I have your driver's license right here. Are you from California? And I was like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I go, where did you find it? And he goes, in your shopping cart. So I'm, like, emotional, and at this point it hit me. God has called me to do the right thing 10 out of 10 times. And had I listened and put my shopping cart away, I would have realized I left my wallet every credit card I own and hundreds of dollars in cash inside um, in that shopping cart. And so I'm in tears at this point. I'm like, Lord, I am so, so sorry. This is a valid lesson. Every time I don't do what you called me to do, I reach some sort of consequence. And I go, it's just not worth it. And it was in this moment that I wrestled with the Lord as the tears were streaming down my face, I happened to pull back into the same exact spot that I parked two hours earlier, and I put on worship, and I sang, and I cried in my car, and I said, Lord, your ways are better than my ways. Help me to never compromise. Help me to choose you, and help me to listen to you even when I don't want to. So it's so funny because hours earlier, I felt like I had compromised, but I got to pull back into that spot, and I felt like God redeemed it, and we worshiped, and we cried together, and it was amazing, and it was a solid lesson.